Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know how to start. What did we do in this show again? Maybe it's that's the dancing. It's it's the one where we dance, right? Or is this the the Nuggets podcast? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to the Dig. I'm your host Nick with Jeremy. Hey, uh, hey there. We're You're still alive cute today. You We're here. Listener. We're still here. Uh, barely, <laughs> barely made it. The last yeah. uh, what is it? Three months, four months since we recorded. Yep. Um, sorry for that. Well, Been... I mean, I like Jokic had COVID for one day somehow. Apparently, I don't know you how did? that works, but yeah. I probably have had it. We probably all have had it, but you and I have managed to survive uh, barely, but we're here and we're back and we're sorry for the lack of dig content. I know that uh, likely our listeners have been, I don't know, in some sort of weird deep depression because of the lack of content. Uh, Let me, let me chime in real quick. So like, like dealing with the social media uh, for Denver Stiffs, um, I've gotten a pretty interesting perspective, like a, a read, a pulse on how people have been feeling. And let me tell you, you and I are not the only ones to have dipped out. <laughs> like, yeah. Been confused. And like, there's still, I haven't gotten anything lately, but I'd say maybe up until maybe about two weeks ago, like right when the s- scrimmages were happening. Um, still like some reactions, like, why are we even covering this? Like, what are, what are you guys doing? Blah, mm-hmm. Like there's a blah, blah, blah going on. So it's, it's really, I feel like we're a little bit excused because yeah. a lot of people are kind of have had a hard time getting amped up and wanting content, let alone you and I creating content for the nuggets. But I also well, realize I'm excusing myself right now. Rather than having somebody else, like in an objective level, excuse us. So it's a little unfair for me to be saying everything well, we did was okay. We're look, we're all making this up as we go along, right? Like, I don't, I don't remember learning anything about how to handle global pandemics, um, like in college or high school for my parents. I mean, this is all new to everybody, and everything going on with sports has been totally new. I mean, it's just you know, from day to day, it's been crazy it's been it's been you know sort of one sort of new odd thing to deal with after another and then at least for me personally i've also had a series of like uh personal kind of family tragedies that have 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 happened over the last month and you know just when i was kind of getting to a point where i was feeling like i was starting to get excited about sports again and kind of back into like more of a routine then then these things happened and it just sort of mm-hmm. totally derailed me so it's just been, yeah, it's been a year. It's for, I know for a lot of people, I, 
I certainly don't have the uh, monopoly on suffering this year. <laughs> uh, plenty of people are hurting and, and it's been just a wild time for content creators. I'm really appreciating the people that have been able to just like stick with it. Just keep, keep producing content through this, this lull. I know we, a stuff. lot of guys on Denver stiffs have, have really been rock stars that way, but um, there's been some dry stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Been, there's been a, right. Like, like too little butter stretched over too much bread or whatever nice. Bilbo Baggins said. I could go for Lord of the Rings <laughs> like, so what? bad right now. So like, bad. I've been like, I'm listening to a 45 minute podcast and maybe five minutes of it was actually about basketball. <laughs> this is like right. an ESPN podcast. Like what's going on? Well, the thing is you and I don't get paid to produce content like on a <laughs> full-time basis. Uh, like some people me. do. So yeah, we do this for fun guys. So <laughs> No, believe it no. or not, I make a lot of money. <laughs> I, if if I counted them in dollar bills, I would I would just be uh, all my time would be gone just counting. Well, yeah, the, the pennies. Let's not go with dollar bills. The right. pennies that I make are oh, you have I would them all. Not want to count these? It would be that's a waste why we're of time. on a that's why we're on a coin shortage. <laughs> that's a, you have the all SB the pennies. Nation payroll. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, Jeremy and I clearly have forgotten totally how to do a podcast. Um, well, but we do have. I don't have to much talk butter about. here. I, I will admit, mm. not much butter, and I <laughs> see miles of bread that I'm standing upon. So let's do it. The theme. So the theme for this week is uh, some bad pun on bubbles. I don't know. No, it's uh, a good burst one. my bubble. It's uh, a really good one. Yeah bubble pod um but yeah basically the the bubble has been interesting um i it's been better basketball in some ways than i was expecting worse in some ways uh just in terms of sort of the sloppiness um some of that is to be expected uh at the same time i feel like the teams have played harder probably than i was expecting i, th I think i thought this was going to be a little more like a kind of a preseason feel and i feel like that's not what we've gotten i i feel like like now in terms of coaching like some of the decisions malone's made for as a as an example nuggets fans have debated this now over the last week like is malone doing the right thing by you know pulling his starters out during the lakers game for example um so some of the those decisions have made it feel like a little bit more of a sort of preseason kind of scrimmage but the actual like effort that the players are putting in i feel like has been closer to playoff level basketball yeah no in all honesty like the scrimmage stuff it was rough as a nuggets fan um because we've been so light <laughs> in the roster uh just trying to make it to the bubble and put games together but i at the same time it was fun to watch all of our players that we tend to um uh, I, I don't know how to put it like I'm going to say fantasize about that could be completely <laughs> misconstrued, but the guys that we don't see that all of us kind of are like, you know, Oh, this guy could be the next, this, or this guy could be the next that. Well, we got to actually see them out there playing and we got to see a lot of bull bull. Like we got a lot of good stuff. Well, I've had Even some though... crazy fantasies about, I'll be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's gotten weird. <laughs> uh, so while the the level of play wasn't necessarily like um 
feeling like there was a gra- like a gravity behind it, like a serious gravity behind it. Um, it was still fun to see some things happen with some of these Nuggets players. And now at this point, you know, at times, like Jamal Murray coming back and just being like a cannonball shot mm-hmm. out, like, um, and starting, there's, there's these moments where you're, you're feeling a real sense of um, strong, serious play. And I know we're, we're just barely cracking the surface. We are like five days away from the play-in game, Yeah, I think, or is it three days away? I don't know, 17 days away. when the playoffs start. Yeah, mm-hmm. playoffs start on the 17th. So the play-in game is three, three days from now. Um, or games in case, um, I guess it's probably Portland against Memphis is probably what it's cooking up to be. And so, yeah, if Portland wins the first one, then they play a second one. Um, but, yeah, I, we're three days away from, I think, really seriously good basketball. And I can't wait. But it still may be a bit sloppy, too. And that's what I, I'm I'm very curious to see, like, you know, it's on a typical, you know, playoff run. Teams go in having played a lot of games, you know, typically they save themselves and their, and their best energy, best effort, and even some of their wrinkles and their game plans and stuff for, you know, kind of that initial run up to the playoffs and then into the, into the playoffs. Um, But teams right now are still kind of figuring things out and there are, you know, how to, how to kind of gel again. It just takes some time on the, on the court playing together and like with the Nuggets and other teams have been dealing with this too. There's there's been injuries, there's been um inconsistencies, there's been weird, you know, rotation issues and things like that, roster issues. In some cases, you have teams that have guys coming back that mm-hmm. were gone for most of the season or whatever. And because of the layoff, they've had a chance to bring some people in uh who they didn't even know they would have back. And so I I, I think this is one of the most wide open playoffs that I can ever remember. I mean, oh, absolutely. You know, we have really I, I, I won't hear an argument that like the Lakers or anybody else, honestly, right now is like some prohibitive favorite. You can pick whichever team you think is your favorite. That's fine. But like literally almost any team could win. And I wouldn't be shocked under these conditions. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. And I'm happy for it because I was actually expecting something of the opposite. My entire um, preconception as far as not taking the Lakers too seriously, and this goes back to, to preseason, this goes back to before the season even started, was um, was that they're old and that they'll crumble after after entire season goes on and that they're going to push hard and they're going to overuse themselves. And I saw it unfolding before my eyes. LeBron was not, you know, taking games off or things like that. He was going hard the entire season. And so for me, I, I was thinking – well, crap. Now he gets a three month break. Like now everything I was expecting that was going against them is now almost going in their favor. He gets a break. Now the young guys seem to matter less because, you know, their ability to keep going throughout a long season is now less important. And actually, we've kind of seen the reverse of it. It seems like like he's looked kind of old. Yeah, he's shooting horribly. He's looked yeah. old. Um, it, yeah, it's it's interesting how much weight you want to give that. You know, I understand where maybe you don't actually play into it that much. We're talking about, you know, games that don't matter. Yes, they they won the first seed, but that was pretty meaningless. Like, you know, they've it, looked it, bad. Throughout. Yeah, I, I mean, but they yeah, they've, they've looked bad. And 
And what I thought was really interesting was it really felt like they went into the Nuggets game to make a statement. Like they were the worst ranked offense <laughs> in the entire bubble going into that game. And I, it seemed like they were wanting to make a statement and they couldn't. They, they looked like jokes against our second and third stringers. No, so. and then the way, they, the way that they celebrated Kuzma's last second shot against our basically our third team. Yeah. I've um, never seen a more flaccid laughable. game winner in my entire life. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was the weakest, like, oh, I just I felt so bad for him. Oh, and then Kuz was on Twitter talking about how he could score on Jesus. Yeah. After that. And it was just like I I feel like this team is overrated. I I'll find just say it. They're I overrated. Find him shocking and um and attractive that was that was coming out at a strong angle that i was not expecting mr <laughs> kuzma yeah but I you can have yourself Jesus. a fan yeah kind of hate you kind of love you <laughs> I, I so stupid so stupid it's anyway <laughs> i you know what do you expect they're the worst i can't wait to see them go down i really honestly expect they will i don't know if the nuggets will be the ones to do it but i i just think especially in the western conference there's four really good teams in the eastern conference eh, maybe three now that Philly's taking some hits. Yeah. But um I I it it's wide open. It's so wide open and that makes it really fun for me. I mean, it's been a long time since we've gone into a playoffs where we really legitimately felt like we had no idea who was going to win. Right. And it's not to say that we feel strongly about the Nuggets, but it's to say that so, so you know, the ceiling well, speak for yourself. the ceiling <laughs> the ceiling isn't isn't all that high, but the floor has risen. Like, yeah, anything could happen. Like, yes, mm -hmm. they could totally win their way. And honestly, they do look good. Like, the ceiling does feel high. Um, we get well, there's a big reason that that ceiling has, has gone up, in my opinion. And we'll get to that well, in a second. Well, I, I think that <laughs> two people who maybe kind of cover the Nuggets and maybe kind of have a podcast who might have made a special creative episode before the season started that had to do with the one player to get them over the hump in the championship game might be kind of right about how things oh. go down. It's getting you, pretty interesting. You it saying is, the dig, the dig called this? Yeah. 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 We'll, yeah. we'll go ahead and take credit for that. Yeah. threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Jeremy, let's play a special edition of Buy or Sell. We're calling it Burst My Bubble. I love it. So, yeah, I do too. So, Burst My Bubble, Jeremy. Michael Porter Jr. Let me start that again. Michael Porter frickin' Jr. is going to start game one of the playoffs. You're, you're channeling some inner Kuzma right now. You mm -hmm. are sassy, sir. <laughs> um, Pop. I, I don't know what the rules are of this game, you. but I'm going to say pop. 
so I'm I'm bursting your bubble, buddy. Um, that sounds like a children's like play doll, like my bubble buddy, my bubble buddy. Anyway, okay, so our listeners aren't that old. Uh, is that that's not an actual doll, is it? Oh, my buddy. Yeah. There my was buddy, a my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my oh, buddy. Oh, can we just that bail on this the podcast? Just that was reminisce? the 80s. Yeah. Um, okay, so why I'm bursting your bubble is because of this. We've heard that both Will Barton and Gary Harris are coming back for the last game of this eight-game series. If that's true, if they are both healthy enough to play, I just, unless Malone is somehow not our coach, on the first game of the playoffs, we're going to see Gary Harris and Will Barton out there. So is there a chance that Michael Porter Jr. does start by the end of this? I think so. I think there's a very good chance. I don't know if I'd put it at 50-50, but I think there's a very good chance. So, um, Well, you're putting it at less than 50-50 if you're popping my bubble. Well, for you're talking about game one. I'm talking about the entire yeah. playoffs. We, oh, like, okay. Yeah, maybe there's a chance that at some point in the playoffs, he starts. Just like we saw Will Barton go to the bench last year during the playoffs, which is unusual for Malone, but the right move at the time, um, there's a chance that he winds up pushing Michael Porter Jr. into the starting lineup at some point if things necessitate that. But talking about game one, sorry, I'm popping that bubble. Let me just bring up some stats, which is a fairly rare occurrence on the show. <laughs> Five games... In the bu- the last five games in the bubble. So MPJ got off to a little bit of a rocky start. The first game, he wasn't great. The last five games, 26 and a half points. Yeah. 11 rebounds. 60% from the field. 51 and a half percent from three. 96% from the line on five attempts. Not like two attempts a game. Five attempts a game. Almost perfect from the free throw line. He's had a, over a steal a game and almost a block a game. Good for 8.2 on the positive side of plus minus. He's we're been ta- a monster. We're and talking almost Kuzma numbers here. <laughs> I hate that. He's been an absolute monster. He's been what we all projected him to be like maybe two, three years from now. That's But those are that's Kevin Durant numbers. Right. That, I, I mean... Some of those numbers are better than Kevin Durant numbers, honestly. Uh, now, granted, we're under unique circumstances here. We got this weird bubble thing going on, no. but you you can't you can't deny what he has done over the last five games. His defense has improved. I think he's shown effort on that end. He still has some work to do for sure, and everybody understands that. But I think his offensive potential is there. There's such an upside there. How do you put a rusty Gary Harris, especially, or Will Barton back into the starting lineup and move that guy to the bench, knowing that those guys are coming back without any NBA playtime? Maybe they come back tonight. We're recording this before the Clippers game. Um, so they may play tonight. There's some talk of that, or maybe by the by the last game against the Raptors on Friday. Um because uh, but, but here's Gary why. Harris has been so bad and rusty. But for a year and a half, his best so. like 10 game streak came at the end of the season. So here's why you said, how can two rusty guys come back and start? Because it's no awkward. To- it's no like coincidence that they just happen to be healthy for the last game 
of the regular season. They've oh, been... you're going QAnon on this. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. Mike, Mike Malone, this is all part of a, the plot. If I didn't live <laughs> in a neighborhood of other humans, I would scream in the microphone my wild theories on everything right now and do my best impression. No, no, yeah. this is not, this is not, um, this isn't anything crazy. Like, this isn't far left field. They've been healthy-ish. You know, if if he was forced to play them last week, they would have played last week. I'm sure of it. And, you and sure about that? Yeah, come on. You're telling me that. that they just happen to be healthy enough to play right now, like right when the playoffs start. I don't believe that I think at all. Gary Harris needed as many reps as he could get. I think he needed as many shots up as he could get before the playoffs, considering how he shot the last almost two years. But they've got years and years together. Malone knows these guys inside and out. They've proved themselves over years. you got to look at it from Malone's standpoint, not, you know, yours. And – and he knows How dare you <laughs> that sounded ruder than it meant to be i'm trying to help you like, i only ever look at things from my perspective thank you fool um, <laughs> fool of a toque can we make this somehow yeah, lord, this a, the lord of the rings the thing? lord of the rings bubble podcast yeah <laughs> um so so yeah i mean they've been ducking out he been he's been giving them time to rest up and and they might be rusty. You're totally right. They might be rusty, but Malone's going to trust, you know, his four years of, of being on a team with these guys and having them work their butts off and see what they can do. And, and that's where Michael Porter Jr. Might potentially be able to start is if they do come out flat, you know, if we're like four games into this and we're down two or three games and they're clearly like broken and rusty, that's where I could see a move happening for Michael Porter Jr. to the starting lineup. But Again, I think this question, Martin, this bubble of yours deals with game one. That's right. all I'm talking about. I think Barton may have given Malone a little bit of cover, actually, when he when he tweeted out what he did about MPJ and about intentionally. Um, maybe because I look what Barton what Barton had to say about MPJ was incredibly positive and essentially, I mean, in so many words, he was saying this kid has to start. I mean, he didn't he didn't come right out and say it. Yeah. Um, but no. in so many words, that's what he was. That's what he was intimating, and I, I, I really feel like this. I, what I think is probably the most likely scenario is that that Malone uses that goodwill that Barton gave MPJ to say, "Dude, let's bring you off the bench, rock it as a sixth man, be our scoring threat off, you know, with that with that second unit, and we'll start Gary Harris over Tory Craig." And I think. Something like that I could go for because then in that role, you know, we don't get a lot of offense out of Tory Craig anyway. Oh, you're talking Gary about Gary Harris can really just focus on defense, and I'm okay with him with the starters in that That's... role. And then you bring Barton in, right? With Grant like, as sort of a second unit. I need and some I, clarity I like there. It, it, I didn't realize that that was Malone talking to Barton the way that you did that. And so you're oh, saying okay. Malone's saying, okay, Barton, like you gave MPJ that your blessing, so you can go to the bench now, is what you're saying. Is I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's going to be that straightforward but like this idea that you know you're just coming back from injury let's let's put you in with the bench to ease you ease you back in not not that you've lost your starting spot necessarily but mm-hmm. like it's the why playoffs, don't why don't man. we ease you back in uh with the bench with a bench role where you can really be a score i don't think it goes like that if if a starting I don't spot know. ever meant yeah. anything it's during the playoffs so I, I i don't know i i read it i read that a different way i read that as almost shade to Gary Harris, not intentionally, 
but you know, not actively, but passively is I read that as coach put me in at shooting guard. Well, look, you know that my dream scenario would be for Barton to move to shooting guard. Yeah. Because he plays really good. Yeah. Well, I, I would love for that to happen. I just don't see Gary Harris getting moved out of the starting lineup. I do this season. I do not this season. Oh, well, I, I think, I think it has to be an off season shakeup where they trade him or there's some big, you know, discussion about it. And I, and I definitely see that for next year, but yeah, it could happen during the playoffs. Like we were saying, if he comes back rusty and they find themselves against the tree of woe with like one game left, I could see, I could see the benching happening there and then say they win and he rolls with MPJ going forward and, and Harris off the bench. Maybe that's where it happens. But, yeah, maybe it does happen in the offseason. You're right. But, um, okay, well, <laughs> the game has already started, and we have not finished <laughs> this podcast, and I am getting Hurry. angry. We haven't even gotten to the Paul Millsap question. I haven't looked. We have five questions, folks, five that bubbles yeah. to, to possibly burst here. I only looked at the first two. And the second one I got to, and I realized we could be here for two hours on the second question. So <laughs> Jeremy and I have some small disagreements about Paul Millsap. And now for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog. M P jacket son that kid is a b baller go for garris thrill so burst okay burst my bubble neck paul Millsap will prove why he was worth his sweet sweet 30 million dollar extension All right, hold yourself up in your chair right now. I am not going to burst that bubble. What? Yep. I believe that Millsap does add something here that is really important during playoff time. And as much crap as I've talked about him over the last few weeks, and as much as I've been frustrated with how he plays in the regular season, I do think that I think they need him out there. I've given a lot of thought to this. I Honestly, if we were just to look at straight performance, I think Jeremy Grant has outperformed Millsap for sure in the bubble, like not like without question. Like he's been a much better player. Right, I'll agree with that in the bubble, <clears throat> um, sure. So what we're projecting is, does that, we're, we're saying like, okay, but but in the playoffs, when like things get tighter, when you need you know, more sound rotations when, when, when mental mistakes can lose a game for you. Does Paul Millsap maybe have more value than Jeremy Grant under those conditions? Yeah, I think maybe he does. And I I think maybe I'm willing to, I'm willing to give him at least this last hurrah. I mean, very likely he'll be gone next season unless he decides to come back at a very friendly, you know, sort of team contract and even then, he would probably have to be in a bench role, I would imagine. I really doubt the Nuggets bring him back as a starter. Um, just his age is catching up with him. It's just the reality. He's mm. just he's getting slow, and mm. and you can just you can see it. Um, but he had a great game against the Lakers. I thought he really bounced back strong in that game, and I was really hard on him before that. 
But what I saw from him in that game showed that he still had the ability to to turn it on and play a really solid, impactful game. Mm-hmm. And if he can do that repeatedly in the playoffs, um, then I, then I'm 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 I, I'm taking the optimistic route here. I guess is what I'm saying. I I think he's got that he's okay. got that kind of last run in him. If he doesn't, I I mean I'd have a short leash. <laughs> like I think Grant could finish games in the way that he did against the, the in the Utah game. Yeah, uh, you know, Millsap didn't see the court for 25 minutes or whatever it was that that whole uh, last quarter and two overtimes. And that was the right call because Grant was playing really well in that game. So Malone's got an option there. If Millsap just doesn't have it one night, if he just doesn't have the energy. But um, so let me yeah, speak, talk let him me up because I know to, you love him. Let me speak to what you, you've been talking a lot about his performance in the in the bubble. Let me speak to that. And let me speak to the the. Um, the actual money that he's being paid since that's how the question was phrased um, to his performance in the bubble. I, I'm a Millsap advocate. I defend him. I promote him when he does well. Um, you defend will... him when he does badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I promote him when he does well and I defend him when he does badly. Um, I will say that what I have physically seen, like <laughs> as opposed to mentally seen. So what I have, seen out of him um physically so not um cerebrally yeah just his acceleration seems so slow right now you know not moving well there's things that are causing me to actually worry about him at this point but what he brings to the game is not athleticism i don't know if that's bursting anybody's bubbles (laughs) Millsap shocker all-star was he a five-time all-star four-time I think. four-time all-star was not based on his athleticism and and so likewise he still brings the most important thing that he's always brought to it maybe a lesser degree and maybe where athleticism did help him what what he did have in athleticism it's helping him obviously even less at this point but what we're seeing in the bubble I just don't care about because it's all about incentive when you're talking about watching Nuggets who have never even played a real game before, Bull Bull, or Troy Daniels, who's playing for his next contract, these guys have incentive to go all out. Whereas Paul Millsap, what's his incentive to to really push it? And, and I know in an ideal world, a lot of people say, well, it needs to be there. That incentive needs to be there. But it's just not reality. And, and if LeBron can have that excuse... If these older guys can have these excuses, then why why can't Millsap? And so likewise, I feel like yeah, Malone's Kawhi the doesn't same even way. play a, what a quarter of his games or whatever at this point. Yeah, so like that game where Grant had twice the minutes that Millsap had, and oh, it's the fourth quarter, and look, Grant's in. That must mean that Malone thinks that Grant is now the starter or something like that. Like, no, we're talking about a meaningless game in the bubble. Therefore, Millsap has the least out of anybody to to be motivated to go out there and play. And Malone, I think, clues into that and has no reason to put him out there to play. And sure, Grant's playing better, and, and that merits something for him. Um, but I just, I, I'm not reading into what I'm seeing out of Millsap. Even if he played bad during the L.A. game, which he did play well, I, I just would wait for the playoffs. Yes, I'm a little scared because of what I've, what I've seen him just aesthetically. That might be the better word than physically. What I've seen from him aesthetically has kind of scared me, but um, I'm waiting for the playoffs to form any opinions on him. And yes, of course, he's trending down. Who knows what we have next season if we do bring him back. 
Um, anyway, so that's that's to speak to him in the bubble. To speak to the contract, money in the NBA is contextual. It's not absolute. When we hear about a $30 million contract, I start going, okay, how much money do I make? That's a lot more than what I make. And I'm thinking on it on this absolute scale. And I think, well, if he makes $30 million, then then shouldn't he be worth what, you know, the guy next to him, Dame Lillard, it makes $30 million? Why isn't he playing at the same level Dame is or the same level that Kawhi is? Kawhi only makes $2 million more than he does. And the thing is, you every roster, every team is limited in the amount of money they can spend. Therefore, so much more goes into how they're able to draw free agents than simply offering them money. And that's where Denver is put behind. So Denver dollars are literally worth less than LA's dollars, than Miami's dollars, than Golden State's dollars. And so for him to have a $30 million contract is, to me, just like when people say, oh, he's not living up to $30 million, like, sorry, he's living up to... 30 million Denver dollars. I, yeah, I really I think, do believe that. I saw an interesting argument about this today on Twitter, actually. Um, and that was that was the that was the gist of the two sides was that, you know, Millsap was brought in at a time after, you know, Fareed's contract had been cleared and a couple other bad contracts. And they overpaid for him. But they sort of they knew they were overpaying for him at the time, but they overpaid for him on purpose to get him here to show that Denver was a place that could attract quality free agent and, and to really start building a culture. You know, he was as, as kind of important to building this kind of new culture as Jokic and, and Murray and these guys, right. It's been, you know, about three, four years now that this kind of project has been underway and he has been instrumental to that. Now he's obviously a quiet guy. A lot of what he does is by example and kind of behind the scenes. Uh, but he sort of provides this steadying anchor to a really young crew. And so how do you put a dollar sign? on that like what you know it's not maybe worth points or rebounds specifically but like it's worth something yeah and and, and so and so on on top of that if we want to speak about other players who make more than him there's chris paul is the second highest paid player in the nba he's obviously not the second best player russell westbrook right. is the third most paid player john Wall, oh he is yeah he's the third best player in the nba <laughs> john wall at number right. four Blake Griffin is paid <laughs> that more than John he is. Wall still is number. Oh, yeah. Gordon Hayward is paid more than he is. Mike Conley <clears throat> is paid more than he is. And he's basically paid the same as Kevin Love, you know, DeMar DeRozan. So it, it's, and uh, as much as money is important, so is time. Like the time that you have, that you are locked in. If you're a general manager of a sports team, not just in the NBA, the amount of time that you're locked into a player completely changes everything because your franchise can change direction on the turn of a dime. Is that the, is that the phrase? Probably. Like, I don't know. And, and so when you're locked into these things, um, Paul Millsap's contract fell into a perfect time during the rebuild where they had the money to spend, would not be able to get another big free agent, and it was only a two- to three-year contract, two-year contract with a third-year team option. And out of these players that I mentioned, so he's the 20th highest paid player in the NBA. Out of all those guys, he has the shortest contract out of all of them. Yeah, as everybody knows, this is his last year on his contract. Westbrook has four more years on his contract. Who wants to be locked into that? The guy's 46 years old and right. obviously not the third best player, even though he's paid like it. And he gets paid more each year for the next yeah, four so money, years. Money isn't money. 
Like it's it, how many years you have left is a big part of that, you know, and, and also what your team's salary cap looks like. I mean, Millsap came in at a time where they really, you know, they had all these young guys. They weren't paying big contracts to Jokic was the first big contract they had to drop, but he, they were able to, they were able to sign him to a max deal and, and still retain Millsap for one more year. Murray's max deal kicks in next year when Millsap's comes off the books. So the way the Nuggets structured, this was all fine. It's not like Millsap's money really didn't affect them. And it's not like they had to like, not sign other free agents because Millsap was taking all their money. Right. We couldn't even get Kevin Love or DeMar DeRozan right. if we had wanted them. Well, DeMar went in a trade, but you get my point. Like players who are not as good as he is, who make around the same amount of money or even more, we couldn't have even gotten in free agency. And so getting him was really the best option. I'm really surprised the way that the tone of this question went. And I appreciate that. I just want to say <laughs> that about you. Sometimes I'm reasonable, you know? Um, I do, last last thing worth mentioning, Paul Millsap, fourth in defensive real plus minus for power forwards this season. Mm-hmm. Also, you know who's the sixth highest three-point percentage shooter in the NBA this season off of more than 100 three-point attempts? Michael Porter Jr. And you know who's right behind him at seventh? Paul Millsap. Mm-hmm. So that He's is- been really good at... Yeah, he, his yeah. shot has been a big plus for him which, this year. And that's- which, start combining these things together. If you have Jokic and Murray, and let's put Porter out there on the floor, mm-hmm. how many shot attempts do you have to pass around? Like, right. who do you want at the four? You're like, so many people were were calling for, uh, who's that power four who ended up on the Knicks? Um, he was a free agent. Oh, God, uh, from L.A. He was on L.A. Oh, yeah, Julius Randle. Yeah. Everybody was pining for Julius Randle. The guy takes 84 shots a game and scores, you know, 22 points a game. And they were like, oh, it's perfect. Like a big shooter at the power forward position. No, we're looking at a guy who can make the best out of like six or seven shots a game. And guess what? Paul Millsap, seventh in the NBA and three point percentage. Incredible still on defense, specifically with Jokic playing up. It's what unlocks Jokic's defense. Let's not forget what Jokic looked like on defense before Millsap came. So their ability to hold the defensive game together and his ability to be efficient on offense and allow other people um, who should be shooting more to be shooting more is what it's all about. And yes, he's going downhill, but let's lock into what works while we still have it. Last word. I'm done. Let's wrap this up. We got a game to watch. We're rusty. I'll give you the last word. (laughs) Was this pop burst? Barton and, uh, and Gary Harris podcasting today. Yeah. <laughs> First, my bubble, Jeremy. The Denver Nuggets are going to win the NBA championship. I'm not going to bust it. We're doing it. We're all going right. all the way. Woo! <laughs> We've done it. So you were talking... A second ago about if your uh, metaphor was correct it might surprise you to learn that there's actually a term for that it's called a malaphor when you mix up your metaphors <laughs> i was actually and this oh, is let me drop this real quick I, for the first question about michael porter jr not starting in game one i was going to say mal is latin for bad uh-huh. and one is english for a single individual so thank you so what do we have when we put those together one mouth Malone. Yes, the bad one. (laughs) So, of course, we're not going to get Michael Porter Jr. starting in game one. And 
That was so bad. I decided not to say it. <laughs> decided I'm cutting yeah. that right out. You probably should have kept it. <laughs> but you just point out mal now uh, you know so i had yeah to. so an example of a malifor would be like we'll burn that bridge when we get to it it's <laughs> <laughs> really good oh yeah, really we need good. to only talk in malifors that's incredible right. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth out of a baby 